This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and today with us in studio is Bishop Peter Smith. And we're going to be talking about making the most out of our Lenten season. As we are right in the midst of Lent, I thought it would be a great time to bring Bishop Peter Smith back in studio. So thank you, Bishop Smith, for stepping in and being part of the program today. Glad to be able to be with you, Dina Marie, and greetings to all of you who are listening to uh, this program and to Catholic Radio Northwest. We appreciate your support for Catholic Radio. Well, we are in the Lenten season, and whether we've been celebrating Lent our whole lives as little ones, or for those who have come into the church maybe later on, there's traditions, there are practices, there's penances, there's there's all sorts of ways that we approach Lent. But maybe give us a sense of getting started on how we can make the most of Lent. What is it, and how should we observe it? Normally, Lent is seen as something of a uh, like a spring cleaning retreat for our lives and preparation for the great celebration of Easter. So the Easter Vigil and the Easter Liturgy is the highest liturgy in the Church's year because what we are celebrating is the pinnacle of Jesus' work, beginning with the Incarnation, which means Jesus coming into this world in human form, which we celebrate at Christmas, and then Jesus's public ministry, which we celebrate through most of the year, but through Lent, we focus on Jesus going towards his passion, and in Holy Week in particular, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that whole sequence from the incarnation through the passion, death, resurrection, on through ascension and Pentecost is the defining moment of human history. Uh, particularly Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And so what we do in Lent is a period of preparation, of retreat, if you want to call it that way, but preparation for this great celebration. And as we normally do as human beings, if we're going to have a very important person come and visit our house Mm -hmm. or we're going to go to a major event that's very important in the life of our family, We clean up ourselves or we clean up our place. And Lent is a time for us as Catholics to uh, not only clean up ourselves and our places, but also to improve ourselves moving forward. We talked earlier about New Year's resolutions, but Lent is a time where we sort of clear out the clutter. Some of us do spring cleaning. Why? We clear out the clutter of our lives to get rid of all these things and to be more focused. And so Lent is a period where the church asks uh, all its people to take some time and focus on that. And there's a whole lot of different ways you can do it in your lives. Right. And I think of the three 
pillars of Lent, we hear prayer and fasting and almsgiving. But practically, if we looked at maybe some of those pillars of how we approach Lent, things that we might do, or ways in which we might start to make changes in our lives, how do those three components fit into the Lenten season and the real message of Lent? Well, the, the uh, tradition is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are the three ways in which you prepare, uh, prepare yourself in Lent. Now, how we understand that and what we do with that has a ton of variation, and it depends on what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. It depends on our age in life, mm-hmm. because uh, some people are, ha- have circumstances where they cannot fast, they cannot do certain things. So the church is always understanding with that, and what we encourage people to do is to figure out what they can do, how they can clean up their lives. Now, generally, if I ask somebody or ask parishioners in a parish, Lent, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And the response will be, what are you giving up for Lent? (laughs) So I I normally tell people I'm giving up coffee and beer for Lent because (laughs) I don't drink either of them. (laughs) So the... the, uh, the, that uh, answer shows you something about what people are thinking, mm-hmm. and it's a good place to start. But we have three things. So we have prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And you look at it, so what's prayer? So prayer is our relationship with God yeah. and spending time with God in different ways. So where do we do that in our lives? Sunday Mass or daily Mass, times when we pray. So... One of the things we can do, for example, with prayer is we can build a little something more or a devotion or something into our lives that helps um, develop our sense of prayer. Like a number of parishes that I know give out booklets during Lent, and there are different kinds of booklets uh, from studying the scriptures to daily reflections and so on from a variety of sources. And that's aimed at helping us focus our prayer during this time. The hope would be that once Lent is over, we don't go back to normal, but we continue with the new habits. Unfortunately, our tendency as humans is that if we aren't active or proactive about it, we will tend to fall back to the way we were. But that's one way in terms of prayer. We We can change our prayer, modify our prayer. Certain disciplines, so for example, We can embrace certain liturgical disciplines. People would look at, okay, I'm going to go to the Stations of the Cross every Friday or Mm -hmm. and the soup supper afterwards or the reflection or whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. that's where you sort of look at the whole notion of prayer. Fasting is the self-discipline area. Now, that has both a positive and not in a pejorative way negative approach. What are we giving up for Lent is the the uh, positively negative approach, Mm -hmm. which says, I'm going to cut these things out of my life that I have an attachment to because I want to do this as a sacrifice. Now, we do these kinds of things in our lives all the time. An athlete makes sacrifices to train. When you're in love with somebody, you make sacrifices Mm -hmm. because you love that person and you know what they like and don't like, so you make sacrifices. So in our own lives, what we do is, what are we giving up for Lent? These things that we love. But there's a positive side of that in self-discipline. So what's the discipline I can put into my life that will help me grow in my relationship with the Lord? So that's another way of looking at it. It's not just what are you giving up, but what am I now doing 
I know one parish, some, some gr- uh, a group of men in one parish embraced the Exodus 90 program mm-hmm. for Lent, which was, that's, that's really uh, going, the, going the distance with these things. And then almsgiving is simply you give to the poor, but it's a reminder to us that what we have doesn't come to us just because of we're great and awesome and wonderful. Uh, it is a gift to us. Uh, yes, we have to work and do our part for that, but we also are given the talents and abilities that we have. And it's a reminder that we need to share the blessing we have with others. And particularly from the scriptures, alms giving you give to the poor because they are not so fortunate. But there are other ways. People may not have money, but they can give their time. Right. I heard a wonderful story of somebody who, who was not able to make any financial contribution, but what she decided to do is I will give 30 minutes a day praying for all the sick people in my parish. Mm. That's a wonderful example of almsgiving, giving of yourself, something that's important to you, to those in need. So there's a whole variety of ways that we can work around with these things. Mm-hmm. We're with Bishop Peter Smith on The Voice of the Shepherd in the midst of the Lenten season and really making the most out of this Lenten season. And even though we've already passed Ash Wednesday and a little bit into it, I think we can start wherever we're at, that the that season is something that draws us into the passion of Christ. As you mentioned, we're kind of reenacting the great sacrifice that Christ made, which you said changed the world because he rose from the dead. Um, give us a little sense, even when you were growing up, uh, memories or thoughts of what your family or those around you in your parish community in South Africa would have maybe done during the Lenten season. Well, Lent was a very clearly marked time in the church because there were these uh, posters that would show up in the church, and it was a purple poster, and it was like a sort of uh, a white, and it wasn't a picture, but it was sort of lines, and you looked at it, it was the image of Christ in agony on the cross mm. with the crown of thorns on his head, and the, 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 the word above it was sacrificium, sacrifice. So for us growing up, that was always very much part of, uh, of Lent for us and going to the Stations of the Cross every Friday. As, as, as boys, we, uh, we were all altar service, so we were mm-hmm. always serving the Stations of the Cross. And what are we going to give up for Lent? So that was always something. And then my, my family at the evening meal would always have a little evening prayer at the end of it, and for Lent we added something to that. So it was very clear for us, this is, this is Lent and this is what we do. And um, always fish on Friday, obviously. Right. <laughs> so little, little kids, okay, now we, we know what this is. But we had these other things. Uh, here you call them rice bowls mm-hmm. and they're paper. But we would get these things that we would call mite boxes, the widow's mite. Widow's mite. And they were about the size of a uh, soup can. As you know, a certain well-known brand of soup right. in these little cans, I'm not going to mention the, the name, was about that size. And it had that same purple paint on it and the image and a little slot on the top right. for coins. So once the coin went in, you couldn't get it out unless you had a can opener. And so <laughs> the the uh, thing for us as kids was we would always put a little loose change and bits and pieces in, there in our mite boxes, as we called them, and bring them to the church like rice balls and then make that contribution to the church. So that was always also part of our, our Lenten observance. And then Holy Week for us, uh, as I, I would always remember, um, 
starting on the Wednesday before Holy Thursday, we would just be nonstop at the church because we would be serving all these masses and all these services and stations of the cross and everything all the way through to Easter Sunday. So so it was busy, it was impactful, and it was something that your whole family, it sounds like, did together. This was reinforced within the family home, the domestic church, and even your parish family life. Very much so. Yes, very much so. It wasn't like we was we had the uh, had the choice to say right. I don't like this. I'm not doing this. It was that didn't even occur to us. It's like no, this is what we're doing as a family. I do remember once we were traveling for some reason on Good Friday, and at three o'clock, my dad pulled the car over, and we parked at the side of the road and we prayed the rosary together. This was something that we could do as a family at mm-hmm. three o'clock on Good Friday to remember the death of Jesus for us. And that, I've always remembered that as just my parents finding some way to signify the importance of that day and that time for us. Right. And then Bishop Smith, when you eventually did enter the seminary and now in your preparation for the priesthood, taking on Lent, the seasons of the church, it has to have a whole different meaning as you're preparing to become a priest and lead people through the passion of Christ, to receive the Holy Eucharist. What maybe changed for you? What 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 uh, light bulb went off? Wow, um, the, I'm going to help people receive Christ and that message of the resurrection. I wish I could give you a very <laughs> spiritual answer to that question, but the reality for most clergy involved is it's a lot of it's work. It's busy. <laughs> it's yeah. very busy, and it's quite different when you're sitting in the, the congregation mm-hmm. if you – your mind and your heart is open, and you can reflect on all these things, listen to the music. You can you can uh, pray during those times. When you're a presider or one of the people uh, leading the service, it gets it, yeah. It's hard to have those moments when you can sit there and really sense the uh, be open to the Holy Spirit really moving you. One time that always happens for me, or almost always is the service of the cross on Good Friday. That one, particularly when people come up to venerate the cross, right. that that's a time where you there is uh, reverential, worshipful music that's going on, but people come forward to venerate the cross. And uh, you tend to get people who are very serious about their faith doing this and to just see the faith of the people coming up and reflect um, for oneself on that is uh, just it's very very helpful um, so those are the things I uh, this is not related to to Easter but to Christmas I remember one Christmas when I was pastor at St. Rose we had a huge snowstorm that mm-hmm. hit and it iced up everything and so starting on late morning or around about lunchtime on the 23rd I was the guy chiseling all the ice off the sidewalks <laughs> right. and the steps and everything because you know, and we get get it uh, beat into us, rightfully. Uh, the, this is a risk management issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I was having the cleaning this. Some parishioners came to help, for which I was very grateful. Somebody plowed out park, got a front end loader, and cleaned out part of the parking lot. Um, so we had all but one one set of stairs, or one half of one set of stairs, that we were able to clean. But I remember. <laughs> so I was like. Five o'clock, we're starting the family mass, and it's 4.45, and I finally come and put the 
the tools that I was using down and then get ready to celebrate Christmas Mass at 5. And it was only when I was sitting in the, the, the presider's chair after communion and the choir started to sing Oh Holy Night where it was finally, yes, this is Christmas. <laughs> so we all have those moments on right. Easter and other main celebrations It's uh, where you you can finally stop and say, okay, um, we're celebrating something wonderful here. There was one year I remember on Easter I had two vigils and three masses on Easter Sunday and then some friends invited me over for dinner. I fell asleep sitting at the table. <laughs> right. It was only for about 60 seconds, <laughs> but it was. I was just so tired after all of that. Again, I was in St. Rose Parish, which is a smaller parish. You have volunteers, so on, but you don't have a big staff to run things. So as the, the, the presider, you're the one that's trying to make this all work. Mm-hmm. After a few years there, you know, okay, this is the fifth time I'm going through the uh, service of the cross and Good Friday or Holy Thursday. Then, then you're in your groove, and this is you can make that work. But as a new guy, re- uh, re- right. newly out of the box, it's it can be challenging. Yeah, and I think it's a great reminder, Bishop Smith, just the the importance of all the volunteers and the families that come together and help the priest at the church. That this is a time if you haven't been volunteering to. Father, what can I do to help? How can I help with this or that? Because there's a lot of needs, even if it's just simply cleaning the church, preparing candles can be, there's just a lot of things that we don't think about if we're just sitting in the pew. Yes, it, it's, uh, there's a ton of work that, uh, that goes into it. So you, you think about, I mean, the Easter Vigil is a very complicated service if you have anybody being baptized or welcomed mm-hmm. into the church because you have all these parts. But there's an example Candles. Right. So now what happens when people use the candles? So how do you stop the wax going mm-hmm. everywhere? So some folks have these little cardboard things. They don't work. <laughs> right. But now you can get these candles with these like these little plastic cups almost that you slide over them. That's wonderful. It stops the wax going all over the place. But the wax does go somewhere, and mm-hmm. that's inside those cups. So what do you do with them? How do you clean them? You know, you can't right. – next year can't put out these half-burned candles and all these grubby cups. <laughs> so how do you clean them all? And So all these practical things come up. Uh, now you need to have those ready so people come on in, plan the whole sequence of movement for everything. For, for, for the, the Holy Week, is you start off with the Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. So then you have the reading of the Passion according to Matthew, Mark, or Luke, depending on what year it is, as the gospel on Palm Sunday. So that's, we tend to do that in parts in the, in the churches. Then on Monday, we normally have the Chrism Mass. Traditionally, it's on the morning of Holy Thursday, but to make that work here doesn't go very well. So what we do it as a Monday night, you normally, before uh, of Holy Week, we do a Chrism Mass at the cathedral, so we bless all the oils that we use for the year. Um, then on Thursday, we start the, the, the Triduum with the Mass of the Lord's Supper on Thursday evening, which is like a Sunday Mass, uh, except that there's the option to the washing of the feet after the homily. And then also at the end of Mass, you, you don't have a final blessing. You conclude by taking the Blessed Sacrament to the altar of repose, processing through the church. So that's part one of a, of a, a, a liturgy that spans... Um, 
three days because you got you begin, but you don't conclude with the, with the dismissal. You conclude with a procession to the altar of repose. Then on Friday, you have the service of the cross, which has several parts again, mm-hmm. the reading of the passion, the intercessions, the veneration of the cross, and then a communion service. It begins in silence, and it ends in silence. And then on sun- Saturday evening, you have the Easter vigil, which if you have a bunch of people being confirmed, a bunch of people being baptized, and so on, you're not going to get away with anything less than two hours minimum. And that's where, if you really want to do it, we have seven readings right. before we get to the uh, New Testament reading in the Gospel. Reading and psalm, and and then you've got the epistle, of course. So there can be quite a few. But the readings on that Easter vigil, Bishop Smith, I mean, this really, if we did hear all seven, give us a sense of our whole history from, yes. from the Genesis story, uh, which I think is amazing. Yeah, that's what it's intended to do is to to lay out salvation history. You have to do a minimum of three, and you have to do the Exodus uh, reading, which is God delivering his people from Israel. And so when I would was pastor, I would always do the creation one from Genesis mm-hmm. and then the Exodus one and then choose one of the prophets. Sometimes I do two, depending on the year, but usually one of the major prophets and their take on salvation history going forward. But as... Uh, as Catholics, uh, some of our Eastern Rite Catholic brothers and sisters, their churches, they do it all night. Mm-hmm. And there are some movements in the Catholic Church that do the same thing. They do all-night vigils. Right. So when I was uh, uh, work, uh, living in uh, South Bend, Indiana, with my community there, working in the campus outreach at Notre Dame, what they would do, and this is a practice that I've just started here, they would do a tenebrae service. And what they would do it, it was that you would have the service of the cross on Holy Thursday evening, a tenebrae service up to midnight. And in Sacred Heart Basilica, it was just awesome because you have br- musicians who are just brilliant in the way they sing. The, the basilica is full. And when they take that last candle out, everyone just starts beating the pews. I mean, it's like a, an express train coming through, and eventually the yeah. candle comes back. And then what we would do is there's a crypt underneath Sacred Heart Basilica uh, behind the altar on the back end where the stalls are. Below, there's a crypt chapel down there below. And we would do all-night vigil from there until sunrise. So uh, that was a wonderful time being able to do that. Right, right. We've just got a couple more moments, Bishop Smith, but I'm thinking about the 40 days Um some of the saints during this time of Lent, just how we count the time, how we can really not get, I think it's easy to be tempted to go into secular world. And if I've got a job and I'm raising family and I've got spring break and all of these secular are temporal things to distract us from time with Christ and spending these 40 days and these weeks of Lent, you know, what are ways that we can really enhance that Lenten journey? Well, the bottom line is, if something's really important to us, we make time for it. That's the reality. Mm -hmm. And even if we have other time commitments, we still make time for them. So again, for those of you who are married or have been married or in relationships, you know that when you are in a relationship of love, friendship, and affection with somebody, you'll make time for those people, even in the midst of your busy day, because it's on the forefront of your consciousness. So it's a reminder to us that uh, 
This is not impossible, and we can do it for other things and other situations. We can do it for this too. Uh, so it's everyone needs to examine their own lives and their own situations to figure out what what they can do in the midst of all of that. And you know, we 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 do prompts for ourselves. I know some we put little messages to remind ourselves mm-hmm. of things on the mirror in the bathroom. We have little other little messages or post-its we put somewhere to remind ourselves of something. Um, some of us use our little on our smartphones a note thing. Okay, what do I need to remember yeah. today? So we can use all of those kinds of resources to help us. And a final thing, just to reflect upon the importance of the sacrament of confession and to make a good confession during this time, sometimes parish missions, that will be a focus is really to invite folks to come in. And maybe it's been a while since they've gone to confession. Some thoughts about utilizing this time of Lent for the sacrament of penance. Yeah, it, it's it's a time of self-reflection as well, and that's one of the reasons why there's a, there is a penitential and confessional aspect to this as well. During Lent in particular, you will find many parishes doing additional times and, and uh, for uh, confession or reconciliation. So you have those, those options available. You will also find parishes on their own or as a group of parishes together doing a reconciliation service. So you, they will, some parishes I know bring in up to 10 priests and have several hundred people there so that there's that everyone has an op- opportunity to go to confession. But this is also part of, as we talked about at the beginning, spring cleaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things to do spring cleaning is, is to uh, deal with uh, some of the darker corners of our lives or the, the uh, to use the computer analogy, the, the, the viruses or whatever that we've got or and deal with them in a spiritual sense in our lives. Right. Empty the trash. We've got that trash can. And whether it's anger or judgment or what have you, um, the good news is God has mercy. I think that's the beauty is to remember there's no sin too great. There's no dark corner too dark to bring to the Lord, and we shouldn't hold back. Yeah, and uh, uh, the, the temptation that we have is, you know, I'm 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 too, I'm too bad a shape to go to confession. I need to get something sorted out so it's not quite so bad. But it's it's you've got about a, a one thousandth of one thousandth of one thousandth of one percent chance of being. This is the worst confession I've ever heard. You know, it's uh, it, it's one of those things. I mean, think about it. Priests go into to jails to hear confessions. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's for most of us it's the things that we confess are just the, the 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 kinds of things in our lives that we know we are, have displeased the Lord, and we're reticent to come forward until we feel like we can appear better before the Lord. But when G, when Peter was denied Jesus three times, Jesus didn't allow that to stop him being mm-hmm. merciful to Peter, and then calling him to continue with the mission that he gave him. So. It, confession's a wonderful opportunity. You, some people start with, this is the list of my sins. It's a good place to start, but go from there. What I would suggest is do some good reflection and examination of conscience and pray and ask what God has put. What's God doing in your life now? What are the things that God's brought to the fore? Because that's where his grace is working. 
and in particular bring those up in confession because if God's grace is working in our lives, we want to cooperate with that every which way we can. Absolutely. Making the most out of Lent. Bishop Smith, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today. And we're going to continue to pray for all of our priests, our bishops, particularly as you approach Holy Week and the time of Easter to have the energy and the support that you need. And again, we're so grateful for your prayers. Would you please help us close with your blessing? Certainly. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Father, we thank you for this time of Lent in our lives. We thank you for the opportunity you call us to to clear the decks and clear our lives and to invite you more deeply into them. Lord, as we continue on through Lent, we ask that your grace would be ever more deeply and powerfully at work in our lives, drawing us closer to you and to one another. Lord, bless us as we continue through the rest of this Lent, and may this Easter be a great, great blessing for each one of us. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you now and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. And for Bishop Peter Smith, in for Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie. Until our next encounter, have a blessed Lent. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.